Obviously. On the prompt. Hey, America won a game too. Yeah, but against somebody. Let's yeah. wait until you until America probably doesn't get through and and no uh, oh no I'm sorry I couldn't help it and uh, maybe <laughs> maybe they'll play Italy or England who knows unlikely. Welcome to the prompt, a weekly panel discussion on technology and the culture surrounding Apple and related companies. It is the 25th of June, 2014. Welcome back to the World's Greatest Podcast. My name is Mike Hurley, and I am joined, as I always am, by Mr. Federico Vitici. Ciao, Federico. Ciao, Mike. How are you? Doing well. How are you? Good. You need to teach me how are you in Italian. I need to teach you what? How are you? Come stai? Come stai? Come stai, Federico? Molto bene. Uh, bene. <laughs> Hi, I Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> ha- Mr. Hackett, are you there? I am. Can you teach me how are you in American, please? <laughs> Yo. Sup, bro? Sup, bro? How's it hanging, bro? Hey, uh, do you want me to teach you about winning soccer games? Can I teach you about that? Oh, You, you know wow. nothing. You know nothing. You know nothing. It's so t- just, be just to way. recap, just to, for follow-up, how are your two countries doing in the World Cup? We are out. Don't but, don't don't you, give Mike, him Mike, this. Don't give him this, Mike, Federico. You shouldn't. Mike, don't lie to me. Well, he is he's right because, from my perspective, Italy was pretty pathetic. So, he has a point. Shouldn't you know? be this way. America should t- still not be in. Mike's team was too uh, too congenial with the competition and lost. Sad. No, it's crazy because then. The best part of this is that I care nothing about it, but I know at least one of you cares about it, so it's kind of fun. <clears throat> Anyways. Federico's um, countrymen are being eaten on the field. So. Yeah, I saw that. Did he bite somebody? He That's not cool. Suarez, yeah, he's he has a, a yeah, history he, of doing this. <laughs> he has a thing for biting other players, and it's, it's just weird. He could receive a two-and-a-half-year ban. It's 24, 24 games. If you... I don't, I don't understand how you get to where that's a thing. Like you should do <laughs> it once, and you I should do. be banned. Oh, like yeah, it's like the third time he's done it. No one's done anything about it. Like that's not cool, not cool at all. But that's, that's what he does. Uh, you know, it's it's. I don't pretend to understand his culture. Maybe it's uh, a sign of affection. No, not really. It's I I think it was a it was a way to to pre- to pretend it was a it was a foul because he he started basically holding his mouth as a, as if he received a a hit on, on on his mouth but actually there were cameras and they showed that he went there to bite uh, Chiellini so yeah it's weird because <laughs> it's um, theory you can see the theory of it right because then he can be like well, look he hit me you can see yeah, my teeth exactly. in his shoulder but actually exactly. no I bit him. So you yeah, can see that maybe NBA he's not players. like a cannibal. He just thinks that it's because uh, <laughs> in theory it does make sense. NBA players do that. They call it flopping, like where like you barely get bumped and then you like flail out of the on the ground holding your side. Like oh, you got that pressed. is what that is what football is all about. Like it's, yeah, it's just it's, people diving. That's all. It's it drama. Is. It's drama. Yeah, as as Federico calls it, the theater. A theater. <laughs> um, we should talk about follow up. Follow up. And our follow-up this week is very simple. Uh, listener Tony was one of many people who got in touch. Tony's getting the credit because it's a lot of 
people. Tony, you're getting the credit. Tony um, is we, our representative of the internet today. Yes, Tony is the senator from the internet, and Tony states that... <laughs> and we're about to talk about some trade negotiations. I have a guy who bites people you could have. Wait. <laughs> uh, so we spoke about the iOS actionable notification thing, and we misspoke. Slash we were wrong, slash we're very sorry. Third-party developers don't seem to be able to use quick reply functions. So if you get an iMessage, Federico sends me something, I can iMessage him from Notification Center, hit send, and never go to messages. Third-party apps will only be restricted to two buttons. So it could be like, you know, dismiss or view, for example. So if, if theoretically, if I get a message from Federico and group me, I could say dismiss and the notification goes away, or I could say view and I could go into that conversation. So... You know, Apple's not giving. It's very Apple-like, and I bet that's right. gonna that's gonna change soon. So, what yeah, did I, Facebook yeah. have then? Wasn't it like and comment? Yes. Yeah, two but comment takes you, I guess, to the to the uh, to yeah, the right. App. Right. I think most of them will be like cancel or dismiss or go away, and the others will be let me deal with this in the application. So, or like snooze. Yeah, yeah. So it's. It's a little limited. Federico, I agree with you. I think Apple will open this up more in the future. They do very often. This sort of thing happens, right? Apple says, uh, we're giving you some functionality. Our functionality in this realm is better. We can do more things ourselves, and eventually they'll let everybody do it. So, Guys, can you imagine how awesome it's going to be to have actionable notifications for Yo? So you can just Yo people. Right, just yo, just yo, right back. Is it is it yo offline? They got hacked or something, right? Yeah, I don't think. I think it just means they now have all of our contacts. But every other app, I didn't know Path had a new app out. Oh, look at that! <clears throat> look at that old joke. <laughs> Subtle burn. They do have a new. They have a new app out. It's not Path Talk. Path. Path. Path, path Talk. Path, path Poke. It should be called Path Sad because it's empty. You know. Wow. Path Plus, Path pa- Google Plus. Pathway to Loneliness. <laughs> <laughs> wow, Mike, that's super dark. <laughs> I know, that's how I am today. I'm just super dark. Uh, topic zero. Wow, no more follow-up. That's all I had this week. It's wow, been quiet. Wow, follow-up custodian. Or Tony has like suppressed the people of the internet and he's there. <laughs> Not so much yeah. a senator, but some sort of odd dictator. <laughs> follow-up dictator. It's hard. To, <laughs> it's hard to tell. Hard to tell. Uh, topic zero. Michael. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Michael. Mm-hmm. Edwardius Percy Hurley. So I like whenever we we have topics that are about Mike learning things. No, I don't like them because it <laughs> makes me look dumb. And this one has no, got nothing dumb. to do with me. No, no. This well has every it. It does have things to do with you. You're not dumb. You're user friendly. No, this is this is not. <laughs> okay, explain it, and then I can show how this is. At, this is nothing to my, do with my, my ability. So, if you remember, three, a whole three weeks ago, we were in San Francisco, and people might not know this. You don't live here in the United States, so you came over. You have uh, your phone is on EE. Yep. in Britain. And I just want to say something very quickly because I, c- I complained about the size of my bill and everybody told me about three in the UK and how they have these plans which are, you know, you can use them worldwide. I-, I do know about that, but I don't, I didn't want to take out another plan and I didn't know that I would have to 
do this, I thought my phone was unlocked because I bought my phone unlocked for years, forgot that I upgraded it in a hurry whilst in a hotel room in Portland last year to, just that, to get that the phone. Part's, that part's about you. Um, so I forgot that my phone was unlocked, got to San Francisco, bought a T-Mobile SIM, realized my phone was locked, and then had to go through the process of unlocking, which could take up to 20 days. And I received my instructions on how to unlock my phone three days ago. So that was really useful. Yeah, so, so that, that's E-E what... means uh, England, England? No, it means everything, <laughs> everywhere. No. Except that's... in the United States. <laughs> so you bought your phone locked. You didn't have it unlocked in advance, which is a mistake and, and one that I, is totally reasonable to make. Um, what I found interesting, though, was the process of unlocking the phone. So you you had to contact them. Did you have to pay anything, or do they just I'd have pay, to get around Get around I'd pay £20. It? Pounds. Okay, so not... Not too bad, and it would take um, up to twenty days, which I still don't understand why it took that long. I just don't get it. Day. There's like <laughs> one guy who does it, and it, he has to do it like by hand in their data center. It doesn't make sense to me. So in the show notes, we have a screenshot of the directions they sent you, which are ludicrous. So can I just start off by saying, you see how it says insert a non-orange three G SIM card? Yeah, you just have one laying around. So no, but here's the thing: orange is not my network. EE. <laughs> EE was the result Wait. of a merger between Orange and T-Mobile like three years ago, and they haven't changed the instructions to state haven't, this. Uh, haven't They're, updated their Word document. This is how old they are. So that this is point one, and then these are the instructions. Step, Insert, step four is really interesting. Okay, so these are the instructions. There are nine instructions for this, and yeah, so and then I actually uh, you don't know this, but I've actually been through the procedure today. Because I wanted to do it because I knew you wanted to talk about it on the show. So, step one: insert a non-orange 3G SIM card. Well, so t- so I'm going to go break these down a little bit. So, if we look at this as somebody who doesn't know what that is, that means the SIM card that I have, because my SIM card is an EE SIM card, an orange SIM card. So, somebody who is not me, who doesn't understand these things, receiving these instructions, will already get this wrong from step one. They will not have the correct SIM card in to do this. So, insert a non-orange 3G SIM card. This must be a network provider who also supplies the iPhone slash iPad, all lowercase. Switch on the handset, even though they didn't tell me to switch it off in the first place. (laughs) Already is on. (laughs) Connect to iTunes using USB cable, not A. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Do you need to borrow USB cable? I have like 30 of them. No, I'm good. Sure, I'm good. Surely all of yours are powering and syncing your devices. I can't it's imagine really, you have any. It's spare. really old-fashioned to have to use a USB cable. I think. What so. is the USB cable for, though, Mike? What do you? What would you do with a phone and iTunes and a USB cable? Number four, use the restore option within iTunes. And then this bit, I don't understand. This bit, I don't understand. Why are you doing that? What is that? Uh, it's supposed to be angel music, but I'm really bad at it. <laughs> Could you put that some angel music in? No. Sounds sounds like the music they play at the gates of hell. I'm not giving you the satisfaction of having that removed. Hey, place hey you know what, good. Mike? Take the night off. I can edit the show this week. No. So, then so did says, you store your phone? Let me, let me explain. Da, 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 let cut, me go to step geez. nine and I'll tell you what I did. So step four. And it says located at the bottom of iTunes, not the top. That doesn't even make sense. Because <laughs> I wonder which version of iTunes they're exactly. talking about. Because when I... I I'll t- actually, I'll just carry on. So, step five. The handset may then display USB cable and iTunes icon. <laughs> step six. Disconnect from USB, then reconnect. Step seven. Synchronize device with iTunes. Step eight. Use synchron- 
Once synchronized, a message will appear on iTunes stating, congratulations, your iPhone has been unlocked. If using iOS 5, this message will not show. Step 9, follow on-screen setup instructions to enable new carrier settings. Then it says, your handset should now be fully unlocked. Should this not show, please keep other three network 3G SIM in the phone and restore the iPhone via iTunes, making sure all data is backed up first. And then it says, you can also get some self-help tips. Please put the following into Google and search a K-Base article. No, they give you the URL to search. Yeah. Which is... Oh, why? So, so, this is what I did. So, I knew that this pro- following these steps would not get me what I needed. Because mm. needing to restore my iPhone to do this did not seem like... The, the correct process. And I know there is not two restore buttons in iTunes. So I knew if I pressed restore, it's going to restore my phone. So I put the SIM card in, plugged it into iTunes, and then it just popped up to say there is a carrier update. So I said yes to the carrier update. It installed my new carrier settings. My phone is now unlocked. That was all it so, took. So you didn't restore your phone? Did not restore my phone. Because it shouldn't have to. Shouldn't have to. That's, I mean, that is correct, Federico. You are so right about that. I shouldn't have to restore my phone. Shouldn't shouldn't have to do that, huh? So I've no, never uh, no restore necessary. You did not get what you wanted out of this. You, you were hoping that I would have to restore restore really? my phone. However, I must say I'm very close to doing it because my battery life is so bad. So this my, morning, mine is two, and I have a theory as to why that I can't share. Oh, secret. really? Yeah. My phone's always been bad, though. But like this morning, no, but this morning, uh, I was just reading some tweets, not using app in question, and within like a couple of hours, my phone was at 40%. Like You were, there's too much thought leadership going on over that's there. That's true, actually. It's a lot I, know, I think mine's been really bad, but I've been using, let's see if this is true for you guys, because both of you own jam boxes, right? Yeah. I have a, no, I don't have a jam box, but, you know, similar. You have a Bluetooth, Bluetooth speaker. Bluetooth speaker. Does, do you yeah. guys find that that destroys your battery life? Well, see, this is the other thing is I have Bluetooth on all the time for my connected wearable device. God. Oh. I, I, I've been doing, so uh, if you've been following along with my horrendous seven days, uh, I was in a car accident, car was totaled, so I'm borrowing a pickup truck from a family member because i'm in tennessee and everybody has a pickup truck a spare pickup truck at that and so i've been using my jam box in the car to listen to podcast and um and to music and i've uh, been streaming uh npr from itunes radio and like it is uh, i don't know it's something is destroying me I, I have a feeling it's it's the bluetooth audio because i leave bluetooth off most of the time because i don't have a a wearable quote unquote so anyways, well, Mike, I'm glad you got your phone worked out for uh, next time you're in the States. But that's the thing, because the next time I'm in the States, I'll have a new iPhone. So it's all pointless. <laughs> everything's pointless. Everything, everything's wasted. <laughs> wow. It's so dark today on the prompt. <laughs> Why are Top- you saying that the, you will have a new iPhone? Because the next time that I'm going to be in the States will probably not be until WWDC next year. Mm. No, so you no assume extra- that Apple is going to release a new iPhone. Federico, don't be that guy. It's not delayed if- because Apple haven't announced it yet. Like, I, I get it. <sighs> I get what you're trying to say to me, but they have a schedule. All right, okay. please stop. Stop. Are you Are you not going to uh, XOXO or do you? 
I'm no, I'm, I'm actually going to be in Italy during that time. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah you know, Mike is coming to Italy and he's not coming to visit me. What a That's guy. Sad. What a, what a guy. You know, you <laughs> could come and visit me where I'm going to be. I mean, you're coming to Italy. You should be, like, making a, a specific... Uh, uh, we planned it. We planned to stop, but it, it added, like, 500 pounds each to the trip. <laughs> That's, like, five euros. That is incorrect. <laughs> Our currency is stronger than yours. I'm not sure about that. Just check the exchange rates, Federico. <laughs> yeah, too, too much work. <laughs> Just go to dashboard and open a widget, guys. Uh, oh, look, oh, I, oh, look a, I have one open. Oh, wow, I have there's one a open. dashboard on OS ten. <laughs> oh, wow. Currency. Um, so what's British the name of the, of the England money? Um, the pound um, sterling. So uh, currently, the exchange rate <laughs> is for every one pound, I can get one and a quarter euros. I'm sure that's not accurate. No, it's 100% accurate. It's not good for dollars. I can tell you that. It's like one point five, right? Uh, eh, the math. Still, Ooh, still, you see, Stephen. You see, Stephen. This guy is trying to come up with excuses not to see me. Federico, if I was coming to Italy, I would make, I would make the effort to come see you. But you but can say you. that because you're never gonna go. <laughs> you don't. You don't know me. It was in our plan. Our plan. <laughs> our plan was to go through Rome, but it was so expensive that we're not doing it now. Federico, you could just you could just take the trip down down to the south coast and and spend. Yeah, spend Federico, the day you should go see him. I don't want to be a third wheel. But why didn't you bring Sylvia? Mm. Double date. Do you not want me to meet her? Mm. I don't think she's real. <laughs> She's not, <laughs> she we hear, we've heard you shouting at her on the podcast, but yeah, right. What if I was shouting at a computer? Is that, right? is that like, why like we didn't movie. have a coin? Oh my, that's why you couldn't get a coin because she doesn't exist. You yeah, said, "Hey, yeah, can I have a coin?" But, yeah, you got no me. You hand got you me a coin. Yep. I yep. thought she ended Absolutely. up bringing a coin though. Did she? Isn't that how that ended? Oh, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> it was like weeks ago. Can we? Can uh, we just move to a topic? Okay, and, so <clears throat> if you want to talk to Mike about this, we have a new hashtag. Which is hashtag unlock Mike. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, I quit, guys. That's not true. Um, you're you're legally obligated not to quit. By who? It's on our contract. We don't have a contract. Our friendship. We do have. I signed a document. It's probably an autograph. I don't know. <laughs> uh, so we. Uh, I can't believe that we have a, a link to LinkedIn in our show notes, but. We do, because there's a blog post. Federico, do you want to talk about this thing? Yes. So there's, um, uh, I found out that people can write um, blog posts on LinkedIn. And to <laughs> did, my surprise... Did you see the little LinkedIn... The <laughs> I'm sorry to interrupt. The little LinkedIn logo with influencer, like, spelled out next to her name. It's awesome. <laughs> I think Matt Alexander oh, oh works God, at LinkedIn. Oh, God. I'm gonna put oh, it, uh, no, I, I didn't see that, but... So anyway, there's a, a blog post by Angela Ahrens, uh, the new senior vice president of Apple Retail. And so she wrote uh, this. Uh, I personally, I, I found it to be a beautifully written blog post about um, her new experience uh, moving from, um, what was the, the name of the company? Burberry? Yeah. To, to Apple. And, and it's, it's not a, a long uh, post you can you can read it in in a couple of minutes, but uh, it's uh, it's it's super strange and nice at the same time to to read an Apple executive sharing these kind of thoughts publicly because uh, I, I mean it sounds 
it sounds cheesy and obvious, but she she sounds like a, like a real person, like a, like a human being, which is not the the idea that you get when you see these executives on stage or you read them on on press releases, right? They seem so in a way made up, right? Because they hmm. they need to they need to carefully talk about business and their companies and software and that kind of stuff and. And in this post, which is titled uh, "Studying Anew," uh, she talks about her experience with um, moving to a new job, to a new position, and trying to uh, communicate with new people and trying to listen to feedback from people that now work for you. And 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 it, and it feels it feels real and uh, real and human and and nice for for a big company such as Apple and for an executive with such a position at, at the company and it, and it's strange and new and and I like it. Yeah, I I totally agree. I think it's actually an amazing post, really really well done, really polished and it, it's it's a it's a weird opening. Um not only that we see these we're starting to see executives at Apple is like three dimensional. Like Phil Schiller is kind of a character of Phil Schiller. I I feel, but you know we see we're seeing this kind of new side of, of guys like Craig Federighi. We're seeing this post uh, from her, and it's it's a, it's a look into Apple, and not necessarily at like executive structure, but like at the executives themselves. And this is definitely something that would not have happened five years ago. I'm not even sure you could say what happened before WWDC. I feel like we're starting to see this trend of you know the way Apple presented itself in San Francisco, this, you know, you're seeing kind of more and more of, of Apple executives interacting with the real world. I mean, Federighi was taking selfie or, you know, taking like pictures with people at the, at the beard bash, which was crazy. Um, Tim Cook should still learn how to tweet better, but that aside, I like this openness and, I'm sure someone at Apple PR read this thing. Like, I'm, it's not, it's not, uh, it's not openness in the in the way that you know the three of us are open on the internet. But it is a, a big step for Apple leadership. Okay, should we take a quick break? Yes. Does that sound good, gentlemen? I think it's uh, maybe time to thank our sponsor for this week's episode, which is the fine folks over at Smile. And I want to tell you some stuff about PDF Pen for iPad today. We've spoken about this app before. PDF Pen for iPad is a fantastic application. It lets you edit PDFs anywhere you are, and they now integrate with the, the that very fancy transporter product, which allows you to integrate and let you access your PDFs on your own private secure cloud. Now, you're all familiar with Transporter. You will have heard them on some of your favorite podcasts. Um, they are the guys that allow you to create like your own uh, personal Dropbox. Well, now you can integrate directly with uh transporter with pdf pen for ipad so you can sign a contract fix a typo correct price lists or fill out forms all while you're on the go with the incredible power that is pdf pen for ipad you can take your pdf documents with you wherever you go you can add notes you can add highlighting and other markup actions during your downtime so whether you want to create a beautiful shopping list or maybe you want to create some edit some pdf instructions on how to create the perfect espresso hey federico well you can do all of that with pdf pen for ipad you can sync your pdfs with pdf pen for os 10 using icloud or dropbox you can grab and save your pdfs using dropbox evernote google drive box and of course now transporter pdf pen for ipad is available right now on the app store and transporter is available from filetransporter.com 
Thank you so much to Smile for their support of this show. Go and check out PDF Pen for iPad either by going directly to Smile's website at smilesoftware.com slash prompt. That's where you're going to find out everything you need and they're going to ask all the information you want and some more cool features about PDF Pen for iPad and then go download it from the app stores. Thanks so much. Federico. Steven. As you guys we did, as you guys often bring up on the show, I'm an old man. And I have to say that I have not played with or even wanted to play with uh Facebook slingshot, but apparently it's interesting. So do you young people want to talk about it? I do want to talk about it mainly because I think Facebook has it completely backwards. So basically it's a new it's a new messaging app to to share photos with people and this is pretty difficult to explain basically, basically wh- when when you when you re- uh, that's my, my my summary would be mike what you can um you cannot view a photo that you receive unless you send a photo back yeah it's worth it's probably worth saying this is their snapchat competitor yeah but I mean, in theory, that's what people expect this app is going to be, is that it's sending pictures to your friends. The UIs are basically the same. You can add text, you can add little uh, drawings that you can draw on the screen, and you send pictures between friends. But with Snapchat, Federico may take a picture of something and send it to me. I mm-hmm. received that picture and replied to Federico with a picture, and there can be like because a conversation that's how happening that conversations way. work. Exactly. But Facebook, whilst tr- basically they tried, they've recreated Snapchat from a UI perspective, but in doing this, people then expect it to work like Snapchat, but it doesn't. Facebook are trying to pitch this as like status updates. So not talking directly to people, but to everyone. So but you take dumb. a picture and show it to the world. Because for you to, so if Federico slinged a shot into the world, and it comes up to say Federico has sent you a slingshot, I cannot view what Federico has sent me until I do the same and share my image with my friends or a selection of friends or everyone. So the idea being it's like status updates but with imagery. But the problem is this is not how people use this messaging platform. This is jump on so many levels. First, it's not how conversations work because if I talk to you, you don't have to talk to, back to me. Yeah, but this is the thing, they're I'm not saying. trying to create a conversation and that's the problem. In, in recreating Snapchat's UI, it makes it look like they're competing with Snapchat. No, they are saying that they don't want to recreate a conversation exactly. because they're saying we want, to, we want to make it about status updates. Yeah, then if you're making saying. about status updates, why are you making a classic messaging UI with this twist? It seems pointless. Yeah, that- and more importantly, they're trying to say, we, we want to make people content creators. What does that even mean? Because I, sh- I send you a shot that then disappears, then I've become a content creator for that? Okay. I think that where they failed was, was making it look so similar to Snapchat. If they would have found a way to make it look completely differently people may feel or react to it differently because you're right what they've done is they've created a ui that is similar to a conversation platform that exists if it looked completely different then maybe people wouldn't react to it in the same way because you wouldn't look at it as a conversation tool but they've crossed the the streams there and and they've ruined they've but they've just made a terrible product 
basically. I think they just wanted to copy Snapchat, but then they realized it was so similar they needed to exactly. add some kind yep. of difference. I agree. And 100%. this difference is totally broken because I, I don't. I mean, you send me a pic. I don't know what you, what you send me. Why do I need to send you my face? It, it, it's pointless, right? It's not how <laughs> conversations work. It's not how emails work. It's not how messages work. And and it's telling that the, um, this uh, Slingshot app was a um, long-awaited uh, competitor to Snapchat. And it launched um, on the US App Store. Um, my understanding is that it flopped because it was nowhere to be seen to be seen in the top charts for free apps. So Facebook, unlike the paper app, which was made by the same team, so it makes you wonder about just how many resources were wasted trying to come up with this slingshot uh, thing. The, um, last night, they made slingshot available internationally on the App Store. And my theory, my idea is that they want to to push more people to use it. But, but I think that it especially teenagers, which seems to be the kind of demographic that they're going after, they, they, just, don't, they just don't want to use this kind of app. I, I just don't want to, to, to be forced to send you something to see what you send me. It's, I don't know, I, I'm, personally, I think uh, the best word to describe it, it's stupid. Short-sighted. They've, they've completely missed the point. Like, yeah, it's, I, I could see how that could lead to some really <laughs> awkward uh exchanges right like federico sends me a picture i assume it's going to be sexy time pick i send him back something and you know and then i open it and he sent me a picture of his car that died on the interstate like it, it like you're right it breaks the fundamental way that conversations work this is not a back and forth this is a like a uh you're betting what they're talking about almost or you're you know you're putting something out there not really knowing what you're gonna you know what you've already gotten back it, it I agree with you guys. I don't use any of these apps. If I were to, it would definitely not be this one. And, and yeah. it's sad because uh, because um, the developers uh, at Facebook uh, Creative Labs, uh, they're doing such a fine job with paper. I'm using paper every day because I like to use Facebook with the paper app. And and it seems to me that with Slingshot, they're, they're being forced to come up with an idea to compete with Snapchat. And and they did, and and the app is fine technically, and from a design perspective, it's just the idea, the concept that it's broken, and and I, and I would rather see Facebook's creative labs work on new ideas, and new implementations of pay of Facebook's um, mechanics like paper than a copycat that tries to be different in a way that's completely broken. Agreed. Ah, <sighs> Facebook. Facebook, I, I just Facebook. Don't, uh, we're going to talk about Google next, but I think this is something that plagues both companies where like they, somebody in the company does something and they kind of just scored it out there as a product. It's like, if someone had thought about this for, how long have we been talking about it? Two minutes? Like, how did this not come up? How did they think that this was a, a worthwhile endeavor or, I don't know if that's more troubling or if they did think about it and they said, oh, no, people will love it. Like, it's clearly just something amiss with whoever let this go out the door. It's like, I imagine that there was a whiteboard and the whiteboard had like two bullet points. Make Snapchat, but do it differently so it doesn't look like we're copying. 
Oh, that last bullet point's a little bit longer. So, so let me tell you. Let bullet. me tell you this. Let me tell you the Yo app is number thirty-eight in the top three charts of the App Store, the U.S. App Store. Yeah, thirty-eight. Um, Slingshot. Um, I'm scrolling. Um, in actuality, Yo is closer to Snapchat than Slingshot, Slingshot is, is number one hundred eighty-nine. So it's not doing so well. Unless the app store is actually in reverse order and we just never knew all this time. <laughs> I don't think that I works, Mike. Hey. Oh, by the way, I see WhatsApp in the top 20 in the US. That's a, that's nice. Seems like it's catching up with you, with you Americans, Stephen. Have you seen more people using WhatsApp lately? Um, I, I, I have noticed it over the last couple of months, like on people's phones. I still don't think it... it, it enjoys the prominence that it does overseas though mm-hmm. it's i'll yeah. tell you how you can test that download it and see how many of your contacts are using oh it. yeah i could just yeah. upload them my path contacts and see who's there <laughs> well it doesn't Anyways. actually do the contact uploading it does no i know it, it matches it matches yeah. them yeah and, I, I, I by do the think way it is, uh, is growing sorry. yeah and and uh, and i also wanted to add that I'm trying to see if um, if my, if normal people that I know here are using Snapchat, and it seems like it still has to become a thing here. Hmm. Seems like Snapchat uh, is the opposite. It's like a, a US or at least rest of Europe thing. It's not popular already in uh, in Italy. I'll send and, you some um, Snapchats. You you use it, Mike? I have it installed. Yeah. Yeah, I think I want to try it actually because it seems, you know, fun and this would be makes fun. sense. Federico, what's sense your uh, what's your Snapchat name? I'm not on Snapchat yet, so I oh. cannot, I cannot give you one. <laughs> I've been running a parody account of you for years <laughs> on Snapchat. No, what what no. exactly do you share with? It's not important. I don't know. Moving on. So, uh, there is there is a Fetici on Snapchat though. <laughs> That's not me. Hmm. Maybe it's maybe it is Steven's parody account. Anyway, Mike, account. tell us uh, tell us about Google. What, what what did Google do today? So they had a, a three hour keynote. Um, they did. Ugh. They had, I had Google I/O today, and they basically see. This is the thing. Even in three hours, I was about to say something that was actually not correct. I was going to say they they basically touched on all parts of their business, but they didn't. You know, some of the things that were missing today was like Glass and all the Project X and Project Ara. <laughs> Google Plus didn't get a mention. Yeah, Google Plus, sure. Um, there wasn't really a lot of actual talk about Google, as in the search either. Um, but they they touched mainly on Chrome, um, Android, and developers. It was an. I found it interesting overall. There was there were lots of uh, parts that came out of it. The way I kind of looked at, um, at I.O. today, it was the first time that Google had, had kind of done a WWDC-like presentation in that they showed a lot of what was coming. And this is the first time they'd done a developer preview with Android months in advance. Um, so they're very much, it looks like they're trying now to get on pace with Apple from the way that they do their developer conference and the way that they do their announcements and have betas. And obviously a lot of it this time is because Google has a brand new uh, look and feel and design language to 
what they're calling the L release of Android. So they've not finalized the name yet, or they're not willing to share. It'll probably be something like Lollipop, or they might go for another brand again, which is also quite likely. Um, what candy starts with L? I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know enough about American candy, I don't think. They're, yeah, they're, so... They, they, so they that's that's one. why they used L. They haven't said what the name is yet. Because I saw, I kept seeing it. And I was like, oh, they dropped the dessert names, but yeah, they just haven't said the name because they're all be they're lollipop. all letters. The dessert names are letters. It's now it goes in alphabetical order. Right. So it's got to be lollipop. Like, it, what else could it be? Uh, lemonade. It's not a dessert. Well, it's a sweet thing. <laughs> it, it, lemon it's... icebox. Lemon icebox pie. That's definitely it. Anyways, carry uh, on. So, like, a couple of the key things that I kind of took out for this today, which I thought was quite interesting to, like, to showing the pace with Apple, is they've got a brand new design, which we'll talk about. They ha- they also have 5,000 new APIs. 5,000 API is, is the key statistic of 2014. Everyone has 5,000 new APIs. No, Apple has 4,000 APIs. Oh, really? So, Android Dude. is 1,000 times better than iOS 8. There you go. We know that much. Um, and they also spoke about PC-level graphics performance as well, which I also thought was quite entertaining. Um, that There was just seemed to be a lot of things that clearly the two companies have been working on, not at the same rate, but they'd both been working on some of these things, and they were kind of... Maybe maybe there's corporate espionage, it probably is. So let's talk about Android. Let's focus on Android for a bit. So with L-Release comes... Um, this new design, which we'll get to in a bit more detail shortly, but also there's greater, better notification support. So they're going in deeper with the way that they do notifications and they're making them even more actionable. Um, and a lot of this stuff is to tie in with the wearables as well. So putting more imagery and more color and things like that into into notifications. Um, and they, they spoke about a couple of other end user features. Um, one was authentic- authentication unlocking. So this is the idea of using things that the phone can be aware of contextually to not then need to provide you with the the need to put your key, like your key in. So like, for example, to, to put your passcode in or to put some sort of unlock code in, um, you could maybe unlock your phone by wearing your smartwatch or something like that, um, any sort of Bluetooth device that you have attached to you. There was a OS ten app, an iOS like app that did this, right? Am I making that yes. up? Yes. Yes, I had a review. Let let me find it. Okay. What is it? I'm Let's trying type. trying to remember the name. <laughs> Do you mean um, knock? Do you mean knock? No. Uh well there was knock recently. Um I'm talking about uh like a, like a couple of years ago. Hmm. Huh. I think it's. I think that sort of thing is really pretty cool, and you could see Apple could do that with the continuity and handoff stuff because the devices starting this fall will know much more about each other. And I, for one, would like that if I'm, you know, near my computer and I walk up to it, that I had the option to unlock it, you know, based on proximity. I think it could be really nice. There's definitely downsides to that, right? Like I found it. Okay. The app was called Airlock. Airlock. And it came out in 2009. Wow. It uh, seems early for this sort of stuff. There's yeah. definitely downsides, though, right? Like, if I'm, like, I work in an open office, and so my phone is connected to Bluetooth, you know, could be connected to Bluetooth in my computer wherever I am in my open office, and people could just be on my computer. 
So there's definitely downsides, but I think this sort of thing is the direction that all of these devices are going, where they know more about each other and not just about you or your data. I think that, yeah, I agree, especially because, you know, trying to remove friction, even if friction is in the form of typing a password, or in Apple's case, trying to make sure that you can continue your activity across devices without having to, you know, uh, press the the home button every time or find an icon in your dock. This sort of push from Google and Apple and other companies as well to make sure that your that a user a user flow continues across devices every time uh, and all the time is uh, is nice and, and it makes sense and, and it makes you wonder if you know, uh, wearable devices will, will play uh, a role in that, and and I, and I'm and I'm uh, in this case I'm I'm referring to an Apple wearable device because uh, right now the Apple is using the iPhone as a as a sort of a, a communicator of this uh, continuity stuff, and Google has announced uh, Android Wear today, as well as shown uh, more details of Android Wear actually. And, uh, and I wonder if Apple will follow this fall with uh, a wearable device and, you know, this sort of lock and unlocking uh, stuff, continuous experiences. It, it, it seems like a trend for sure. I'll jump ahead a little bit now because as well as um, this authentication and, and that sort of stuff, Google also showed off some features between the phone and Chromebooks today. So they kind of have a version of continuity. So like notifications from the phone or on any Android phone can now show on your Chromebook. So you can get all your notifications. <laughs> 12 people in the world are really excited about that. Um, but also one thing else, one other thing they added to Chromebooks today was uh, Android apps. And then Okay, so, so that's really weird. Adding so, Android apps? Yes. Um, it, it reminds me of when um, um, BlackBerry announced that you could use Android apps on a, on a, on a playbook. Well, it's not, ex- it is kind of like that, but it is still Google. I think it's, it's no, I think it's weirder because you're taking apps designed for touch and putting them yeah. on a laptop. Yes. Yeah. I think it will work on the touchscreen Chromebooks a lot better than. Yeah. But I mean, else. but, but like keyboard input, like what does your app chopped in half and you have using the, either the on-screen keyboard that's, you know, full size. Or oh, I can't imagine you'd use like... the on-screen keyboard. That wouldn't make any sense. You have a keyboard well, I mean... in front of you. But I think this is why they said that they are slowly trialing this to get it right. So they've yeah. only got a couple of apps that are doing it now, and I, I got the impression that there was going to be like a... It wouldn't be like you can just run any app. Like, they have to make sense for them to enable it. Hmm. It felt like I, maybe I don't a more controlled... It... Um, process of, of enabling these applications i don't think it will catch on honestly it's such a terrible idea to to, to <laughs> turn a, a, a phone app into a desktop app even if the desktop has a touch screen which by the way is also a terrible idea and i'm honestly not a fan i, I don't get it i i don't understand personally what what's the point why can you just make a make a uh, apps for the for the chromebook stuff oh because it's on the web so it seems like it's it's a, a, a combination of bad ideas coming together in what what looks like some sort of uh, airplay with, uh, but actually emulation on on a Chromebook. I just don't get it. Why does Google need to put Android apps on on a, on a computer? Because people maybe aren't willing to build Chrome apps. 
or because people are not getting Chromebooks. Yeah. No, they are selling Chromebooks. I can't no, remember the numbers. I've seen them. I've seen them in the wild. Selling. Yeah, I've yeah. I've seen them. I've seen it here and there. And I, every once in a while, so a little tangent. I don't know if Federico, you ever get this, but sometimes I have the dream of like the minimal writing machine, which is a mm. term a friend of mine and I dubbed like when I bought a 12 inch power book to be like, Oh, I'm going to run BB edit on it. And I'm just going to write on this machine. Like I'm not going to have anything else. I'm just going to open it up and write on it. Um, and I've had that thought recently about a Chromebook. Like it'd be pretty cheap. Like I could, you know, keep it really stripped down because it can't do all that much and like open a document and just type and just free flow ideas. And every time for me, at least that experiment fails horribly, but I, I, I can't help but think that this is, to, to your point, Mike, this is Google trying to beef up Chrome OS and make it more appealing. I mean, there's a lot of apps on iOS that I wish I could use on the Mac, that they do really good things and they work really well, and there's not really good Mac equivalents for it. So I, I could definitely see the desire for this, but I do think the execution is key and is probably what will kill it. So going back to... Um the next version of Android, L. Uh, one of the other things that they, they made a point of showing today is how they're trying to more tightly integrate Chrome into the system. And one of the ways that they're looking at doing this is by making your Chrome tabs as part of your multitasking. So when you go into the multitasking view, Chrome isn't its own app. Every tab is like its own app. That's strange, but it makes sense for Google. And actually, yes. TechCrunch has a, has a clever post about it. Essentially, by treating, uh, by faking uh, tabs to, to run al alongside um, apps in the multitasking view as individual cards, it makes sense for Google because it, it means people can switch back and forth between uh, apps and individual websites more easily. And it also means that by switching more easily, Google, Google believes that people are going to switch more and switching more to Chrome means that you're going to see more ads, which means that you're, that you're going to give more money to Google. And, and it makes sense. It's strange from a, from a, I guess, from a conceptual standpoint because exposing a, uh, multiple tabs from a browser as multiple items in the multitasking view is, is the, basically the opposite of what we've been getting used to for the past five or six years. But it makes sense for Google, especially because they're doing the new, um, they're opening up the new deep, link, deep linking stuff um, from between Google Search and Android apps. Yeah. So it makes sense to kind of break down, you know, uh, this uh, the browser into cards that you see in the multitasking view. Uh, I'm not sure I'm a fan of the idea, but it makes sense for them. So that's that's smart. Yeah, that app indexing thing looks really interesting. That it you can search for something and it come up in, a, in an app. Come on, Stephen. So it reminds me, I mean, you can do this sort of on iOS with web clipping. You, know, you can do a web clip and uh, a web page kind of gets an app wrapper and it shows up in multitasking. But that is definitely not new, but it definitely makes a lot of sense, especially for, for Android and, and Google, to be tying the web to these applications like in a more fluid way. Like At least on, on my computer the kind of the way I operate, like I have all my native apps and then like I do a lot of stuff just in the browser and I do less than most people. Cause I don't, I don't do Gmail in the browser. I don't, you know, 
but the web and like what I do, like air quotes on my computer feel different. And, and there's a gap there that they're trying to close. I think, I think it's interesting. And there's so, so much stuff taken from WebOS that we see today. Everybody's just pillaged the corpse of WebOS over and over. It's sad. It's sad. Yeah. I was about to say that. Yeah. So let's talk about the design of the next version of Android uh, and by extension, the design of Google going forward. So it's basically like we're welcoming back the idea of iOS 7 again and that everything is really bright and there's lots of white. Yeah, but basically more shadows, um, also buttons without borders Mm -hmm. and a little more depth and 3D stuff. And they're really trying to push this um, shadow thing a lot. They, they, they Google have call demos, it material design. Material design. They have demos on the web, and they have this new set of animations, and developers can take advantage of the of the uh, a new axis in in their app, so they can calculate the elevation mm-hmm. of uh, of an interface element to cast a shadow. On the content, it's really um, it's it's interesting, but there's also if you go on the um, material design website, there's a lot of designer speak that I don't like in the way they're trying to explain this new language. But I guess that's you kind of you kind of have to account for that when you when target you get audience. This, yeah, the, when, you get, when you get these companies trying to explain their. Um, what they've been doing with design, yeah, philosophy, etc. So it's nice. It's bright and colorful. It. It doesn't look uh, my 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 impression, Mike. Uh, I guess you know more than us. It doesn't look uh, as a as a major change or breakthrough from previous Android, as iOS seven was from iOS six. Uh, no, it's it's pretty big. It is big. As yeah, b- they've changed some of the fundamental elements, like so the back home and multitasking. The the icons have completely changed for those. Uh, things like the home screen don't look different, although they do have new icon guidelines that they're that they're asking people to do. But mm-hmm. if you take so one of one of the only apps that they showed today was the dialer. It's, it's it's the only one that they say they've got like completely nailed down. Was my understanding. Um, everything else is currently changing, but they showed the dialer, and it couldn't look more different. The way, it, not not from just a visual standpoint, but from the way that everything interacted. There was like ripples and buttons and things flying all over the place. And there are some really cool stuff that they're doing, like the way that I think they call it like stackable elements. Like so when you scroll, something snap into place, something shrink, some things go away. And it, and it makes the interface have this more like a live feeling. But the, mm-hmm. way that how, the way that things are colored especially is so different because previously, in previous versions of Android, it's been very dark like very mm-hmm. dark, dark okay. and like electric blue. This was called holo design or holo design. Mm-hmm. Yes. But this is very, uh, very, very bright. And I don't know how I feel about it. I think it looks interesting, but there feels to me a little bit more childishness to it. And I think that that comes from, like just if you watch the like the video of the dialer, the way that things move in the animations, it seems there there are far too many superfluous animations. Like that animations for animation's sake. Hmm. Like do you why think that's don't a, we just that's put a, an animation here? Do you think that the use of heavy use of color and animations is a a reaction to iOS seven? 
I was thinking about this today, and I think that saying that's the case is too easy a thing to say. Because you are effectively then saying that a year ago, Google were not working on this at all. And then you could also go back to what everybody said about iOS 7, that it was just copying Windows Phone. Uh, so our Google, I, I just think that these are the these are just a sign of the times of design. Mm-hmm. Google decided they would go down this route. They've decided to go with what, com- what common design is these days, which is more white space, bright colors, flat. But they've done they have done something extra in that they have actually added shadows and. So, so, I mean, that's something that iOS has completely stripped away. Yeah. It, and and they, they seem to have, they have their reason for it. In that, So, like, the way that Johnny Ive argued all of the transparencies and stuff was adding this stack to the, a natural stack to the OS. And what Matthias said on stage today was that they are trying to think of the UI as, like, something not like paper, but that you can press down and it manipulates so if you press it down, then it, it may look like it's being pushed in, or if you put something on top, you're going to see a shadow, or it's going to look like it's above. It's really uh, the same, trying to, to, to tackle the same problem from two different angles. Exactly. It's trying to somehow make the operating system look real, like a but real it, thing, but without using yeah. textures. Yeah, and, and, and on Apple's uh, version, you see the use of transparencies and, and blur and that kind of stuff. And here you see elevation and shadows, but really the, 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 the problem is trying to, to fix the, the fact that people, uh, maybe, I, I guess, that people need to uh, understand the layers of interface better. So Apple is going with the, with the transparencies and Google is going with the shadows and with the, um, you press and you see that there's a ripple effect or there, there's, a, there's a, some sort of pressure on the UI element on the screen, and it's interesting. It doesn't look um, doesn't look bad in my opinion. It it I like the colors personally. I also like the colors in iOS seven. So maybe that's just a, a taste hmm. uh, thing. Yeah. I also I also think that um, the point you you made, Mike, about animations and trying to do too much. Um, from what I saw, I like that um, uh, the animations uh, that Google showed for uh, the buttons, like the ripple effect, and the, uh, there was uh, some kind of other um, um, when, when you press buttons, uh, there were other effects that they shown in, in the demos. I think it, it look, they look nice. I get the concern about trying to do too many ornamentation uh, at once, but I also think that to Google's in Google's defense. Um, especially the ripple effect and trying to uh, communicate when you press a button or when you select a tab, it's really great uh, for accessibility stuff because it uh, tr- trying to communicate when, when really you put a finger on a, on a UI element, that I guess that can be good for um, accessibility and visually impaired users uh, in that more feedback helps. Now, Will developers on Android and will Google try to do too many animations at once? That's that's gonna be a problem, I guess. And I don't know. It's it's, it's interesting. And um, Stephen, what do you think? Uh, I think it's I think it's Android or Google, excuse me, trying to make Android more friendly, more approachable. You know, the old design was Tron. This is Monument Valley. Um, it the colors the the way that it moves, I think they're really trying to make Android more approachable. 
I think for a long time, at least here in the States, like with the droid ads, like Android has had a very masculine feel to it from a design and a marketing perspective. Mm -hmm. And I think they're trying to... A robotic feel. Yeah, they're trying to correct that and to bring it sort of more towards the mainstream. And yes, there's elements of WebOS, but everybody, like I said, has gone to that to that house and stolen things off the shelf. Uh, but for one, I really like it. And and I there's a lot of iOS 7 slash iOS 8 that I really don't like. I actually really dislike a lot of the transparency stuff. Like when you pull a notification center down, everybody's phone is like a soupy colored mess. And uh, I'm not saying Google's gotten it right. I obviously haven't played with this yet, but I'm very excited to play with it and to see what they've done because I think... I think it's good. When when Google's design is good, it makes Apple better. When Apple's design is good, it makes these guys better. And so I like to see that this this bar keeps getting moved higher and higher. Yeah, there's a, there's a bunch of uh, UI uh, elements taken from um, design trends and apps. For instance, I saw there's a, a lot of... Um, a lot of floating buttons in the interface, which um, I remember uh, the idea of a, of a floating button was first tried by uh, either Sparrow or Path. Mm-hmm. And by the way, Google bought Sparrow, so I don't know. But yeah, it, it looks uh, it looks nice. Uh, I think the design looks nice. It looks uh, freshened up, and um, yeah. I think it's a, it's a nice, good, uh, nice and good idea. So the developer previews as we're recording this are available tomorrow on the 26th. So hopefully by next week I will have been able to install it on my Nexus and I'll be able to let you know my first-hand impressions with the design. Did they say what phones it will run on? Or is there a link somewhere we could put in the show notes to help people? I yeah. haven't seen it. I'm going to assume it. it's Nexus devices. That would be sad for my Moto G. Stock devices. So you you would look. It's Android. You'll be able to get it on there, buddy. Like. Yeah. It's is not. This will not yeah. be an issue. So maybe maybe we'll repeat back. It's it's clearly not done yet. In fact, that's even in our show notes, and I saw people talking about it. That Google isn't finished with this, and so you know, iOS seven. They play this stupid video with the balls rolling around, and they get on stage. This is iOS seven. This is how it looks, and they did tweak it, like most famously with the font weight. But the iOS seven we saw on stage, and the iOS seven that shipped was basically the same thing. This seems like there's. It might be done conceptually, but there's still a lot of details to work out and a lot of apps to, to revisit and finish, uh, which is interesting. I think they needed to announce it today, and so they did, even though it might have been a little premature. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really actually I'm actually genuinely interested in, in, in spending some time with it. I actually liked the the Apple uh, video with the animated balls a lot. Uh, yeah, I, I do too. I just it got they played it like twice, right? They played it at two different events. Yeah, right? but it's a good it's a good video, it's a good message. So anyways, um are we gonna talk about smartwatches? Yeah, Google Wear. So they showed a lot more about Google Wear today, including a couple of new device well, one new device and more about some of the existing ones. Uh the new device is Samsung Gear Live, which is basically the Samsung Gear two or something <laughs> uh the one that runs tizen i can't remember the name of it now so i got the gear fit which is the other one i think this is still the galaxy gear right galaxy gear two or something like that but yeah. samsung gear live it's a android it's a it's a google wear uh, android wear <laughs> oh my god the samsung gear live is an android wear smart watch um, and then the lg g watch they're both available for pre-order today 
And the Moto 360, which they showed a lot more of today as well, was available this summer, of which the sa- the crowd was audibly sad about. Because mm-hmm. that thing does look incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's talk about Google Wear and then we'll go back to the devices. So Android, Android Wear. Yeah, Android Wear. It's label- <laughs> I've labeled it incorrectly in my doc and I'm now changing it, so I will stop calling it that. <laughs> so... Basically, it's as we expected. It's intrinsically linked to the phone, and it's about staying in the, the two devices staying in sync together. A lot of the things that we'd seen before, so there are, it's all Google Now card based in UI. So it shows you flights, it shows you packages, it shows you email, it shows you hangouts, and there's way to interact with it. So you can, if you see, they showed some demos of some applications. So let's say that you want to order a pizza, which is something that they did. You would go into the, you could. You go into an area or the pizza app could come up and you just swipe and do different things by swiping. It was it was very much a swiping interface and then the input is to talk to it. They had a variety of different demos. Some of them broke. Uh, like, for example, they tried on multiple occasions uh, to get the a, a note to be added into Google Note. It just wasn't working. But then they had some of them that really worked fantastically well. Like there was a recipe app one where um, you could look at the recipe app on your phone and when you're looking through the app that a little just just the bottom of the watch indicates that there's something that you can do on the watch so it's like it shows the icon of the recipe app and you can flick up and then you can start to to swipe through the instructions so the steps of the recipe and as you were flicking from step one step two it was showing you the phone and the phone was scrolling automatically as you were swiping through the the items i thought it was awesome yeah, it's we we talked about it with the Pebble. Like these devices are only as good as what you can do on them. And besides the base layer of you know I'm getting notifications on my wrist. It, to me, when it comes down to if I think about buying one of these things in the future, it's about like what does it make more convenient. So that's a really good example of something that I think is great. Like as good as iOS and and Android recipe apps are, like. You still have to have your phone or your tablet with you. You just have your watch there. You know, it's it's it makes it less invasive, which is the whole idea, right? And Mike, what you spoke about about the Pebble that you can look at a notification and not pull your phone out and, and feel rude. Um, I do feel like before you move on that we should point. <laughs> a lot of people were making fun of this point in Google's keynote that they had this technical issue. It definitely happens, and you know, I think some people were like, maybe you should practice before you get on stage, but. I have in the show, I put into the document in the show notes a one of my favorite like Apple Keynote videos on YouTube is a supercut of all the times like something broke or just didn't work, uh, which is at one point Steve Jobs like throws a digital camera into the crowd. No uh, way. Yeah, it's I awesome. To uh, so to be to be fair and balanced, uh, we will uh, point people in that direction as well. Can I share my thoughts on Android Wear real quickly? Yeah. I think it's totally uninspired and useless, and consumers are not going to care about these devices. Okay, calling it useless is maybe harsh. Maybe, but I mean, okay, so we, we talked about this before, but here, here it comes again. Here we go again, guys. Buckle yes, up. so um, wearable devices and watches and smart watches. So they're trying uh, with the devices that we, that we saw today at the Google conference. Um, they're trying to somewhat bridge this gap between getting notifications on your phone and trying to be fashionable objects except they don't in my opinion they don't look um as good as a as a classic watch does 
You've seen the 360, right? You've seen the Moto 360. I just want to check this with you. I saw the Moto 360, and and it's too thick, and it it appears to be heavy. And I honestly cannot see a woman uh, wearing the kind of watch. And... um, but that's not exclusive to the Moto 360. Have you seen the other devices, the LG watch? Oh, the they're ugly as Samsung. hell. They're, like they're ugly. Yeah. So but this this one, I don't think. On is. average, so on average, you're not gonna be you're not gonna be you're not gonna be able to uh, at least uh, these first Android Wear devices. They're not um, as good looking and uh, possibly as fashionable as uh, attractive as a classic watch that you may buy in a in a you know in a in, in a store. So. And that's just the talking about the looks, like right, the appearance of these devices, which is also something that we that we talked about in episode thirty-three of the prompt, when you Mike uh, talked about the Pebble and other wearable devices. This, and then we this, screamed at each other for twenty minutes. Yes, so that's the first problem, right? Appearance. Uh, they are devices that I can see tech geeks and people like, I don't know, Robert Scoble trying to wear all the time and trying to pretend that they are fashionable, but they are not fashionable because they're, let's just face it, they don't look good. Second problem, they're trying to focus on notifications and, and you can swipe your recipe. Um, my, my, my theory is that people don't care about this sort of stuff because if you get a message, you're not going to reply in public speaking into a microphone on your wrist because you're, you're going to look like an idiot. You're going to just pick up your phone and type a message. If you're, if you're cooking and if you're trying to follow a recipe, you're not going to swipe on, on your wrist, which is possibly dirty because you're trying to cook or maybe because you're wearing a glove. You, you're going to use the, your tablet, whether it's an Android tablet or a Windows tablet or an iPad, and you're going to see a bigger recipe with more interface, more uh, steps to follow, and maybe a video too. And if you really care that much about notifications, which I don't think it's the case with most people, because most people get annoyed by too many notifications at once, where's the advantage in having a smaller screen on your wrist than using a fully featured app on your phone, which can do many more things and which doesn't require you to just, you know, talk into a microphone on your wrist in public? or just swipe on a small screen that maybe it's also not as responsive as a phone. Third problem, these wearable devices that you wear on your skin, on your body, they don't really take advantage of the fact that they are in contact with your body because they are trying to come up with, the, with these ideas here, right? That uh, teaming up with the fitness apps and activity trackers to uh, collect information. And it's strange because it feels to me that, that a wearable devices could do so many more things. It could, do, it could be so much more. And instead, what we are seeing, and, and I think the same thing with the Pebble and with other smartwatches, it's just a watch for geeks. Normal people are not going to care about these kind of devices. They're not going to set the world on fire. They're not going to be the next iPod. Whereas with wearable devices, you got to be the next iPod. you got to be the next smartphone, right? And you got to take advantage of, of the human body and the skin and the fact that you, have, that you can measure heart rates and that you can measure a bunch of other things. And they don't seem to be innovative to me. And, and so if I, if I had to choose, I would rather wear a dedicated activity tracker like a Fitbit or like a Jobon app and a classic watch if I want to look good and fancy 
than wearing this uh, huge Moto 360 thing that it doesn't look as good as a classic watch and it doesn't and it's not as minimal as a as a as an activity tracker and it's also not as capable as a phone so it's a weird mix it's a weird hybrid and i i, I don't think normal people are gonna care i don't think my girlfriend is gonna buy one i don't think my my friends are going to buy one i think i don't think my parents are gonna buy one and i don't I think, think the normal people argument i think more people are likely to buy something like this than a fitbit like the the idea of a device that just tracks your movement, I think there's less of a market for that. To be honest, yeah, like, like, that's but, boring. That's just it's just boring. Like, but if, I, if I, Apple I, come out with a device which and all it does is tracks your health, like no, I'm not talking say, about Apple now. I'm not talking about yeah, Apple no, but I know, I know you're not. I'm I'm just saying if if Apple did that, I don't think it would sell as well as if Apple released a something like the Moto Three. Oh, for sure, I totally agree. If Apple is coming out just with the with the watch that displays. Uh, iOS notifications and does continuity stuff, that's totally boring. Because the potential for something that's on your body, that's, uh, that's uh, I believe, uh, the, the real goal. Trying to... Because if you put something on you and, and, it, and it doesn't simply solve a fashion problem, right? It's not a, ne- a necklace or a ring or a, a shirt. If you're trying... If you're putting a tech... A computer, essentially, on your skin. Why are you putting a computer on your skin? Is it just for notifications? That seems like wasted potential to me. I I get con- I fear Federico that in October or whenever I'm gonna be disappointed. Probably, yeah, because <laughs> I I, th- I, g- I, j- I just fear that you you you're kind of in a situation where you're hoping for something that you probably won't get. Probably like, because yes. I feel like that. Well, I, uh, maybe this is why I don't work for Apple. Probably is why I can't envision what else it would do that could uh, is actually realistic than either a track you your see, health or b give you this information and find a way to to link it to your other devices in some interesting way, which I see, think it, is what Google have done. It's like we're we're all talking about this new this new technology, right? And, uh, and, uh, and I'm imagining that this technology could give me a jetpack. And instead, all these companies are giving me rockets that I strap onto my shoes. And it's uh, disappointing. I'd buy a pair of those. <clears throat> and it's disappointing because I don't want shoes with rockets. I want a jetpack. I think you need rocket shoes before you can have a jetpack. No. I think you do, though. I think you're, you're, you're asking for a jetpack too soon. Like, mm. you have to start somewhere. And... Like, but it, it's wasted because it, it's not gonna, it's not so gonna be the future anyway. So it's better if you wait. It's better if you wait at this point rather than coming up with a with a watch that gives you a notification. But there's always gonna be the thing that it doesn't do. See, uh, for the same reason, why didn't Apple come out with a with a flip phone, right? With a, the iPhone should have been a flip phone, like a but razor. Why didn't the original iPhone have third party notifications or three G or but that, GPS? That, that's or... software that you can add. The vision was there because the year, the, the following year, you got the App Store and apps and an SDK, so the vision was clearly there. But it's about iterating, but, but if, right? if you, you need to if you start from the wrong vision, it's difficult to change, unless you're Samsung. <laughs> so, so the conference as a whole. Uh, <laughs> Or is Daddy and Daddy done fighting? Yeah. Can I come so, out? Yeah. Uh, let's talk about TV very quickly. 
What are they doing? Why not try again? Huh? Why not try again? They've had like 19 (laughs) Google TV products. Here's here's my thing there. I don't even care what this one does. It does, I assume, what Apple TV, Amazon Fire TV, Roku, all these things do the same thing. Um, my 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 fundamental question is: Is this product doomed? Because doomed. I'm gonna use that word. Uh, <laughs> is, is, is this pro- is this product doomed? Can this product succeed based on just the history of failure? Like, I wrote this off immediately because. Google hasn't gotten this right yet. And yes, the Chromecast, at least from the outside, seems somewhat successful. I know a lot of people who have them and really like them. But the Chromecast does one thing. And actually, this new platform incorporates that and a bunch of other stuff. I just I just don't... I feel like Google has had so many failures in this arena that this product is starting with kind of a, a gimp leg because it's been... It's just been taken out to pasture so many times. It's just... They can't. Can they make it past their past? So this is basically. I'm sorry, Mike. Go ahead. I was gonna say I would have said that until that one slide where they showed Sharp, Sony, and another company I can't remember. They did that last time. It was built into TVs at one point in the past, wasn't it? No. It was always boxes. Was it? Yeah. (laughs) Find it. You you won't. Schmidt, Schmidt said it would be, but and a Google TV. Okay, that's right. That's right. That's right. So Sharp, Sharp have committed to the, to all of their 2015 TVs having Android TV. And I believe all of Sony's 2014, I think they said 4K TVs, will have, will have Android <laughs> TV. But yeah. it's, it's a start, right? I, I don't think they've had this before. They, they have boxes before. But this is what they actually need it to be, which is embedded. And it seems like... Does it need to be embedded? Like... The, the well, thing yeah, I like about my Apple it stops TV, you buying another box. Yeah, but who cares about another box? Like Me? the the ninety nine dollar puck. You know, there's been a ton of talk about this recently on podcasts. But like the hundred dollar puck, like the Apple TV or whatever. Like uh, Apple can upgrade it separately. Like you, most people. I mean, I guess if you have a smart TV, you're you have figured out how to put your TV on your home network. But like, are they now like if they need to update? Android or Google TV or whatever it's called, do they have to go to uh, Sony and say, hey, guys, we have this new firmware. It'd be cool if you could do it. Or is it going to be the carrier situation where they go to Verizon, like, hey, we have this update. And Verizon's like, no, we don't care. With the Apple TV and with the Roku and with the Fire TV, it's up to those companies. They can update those products whenever they want. If if in the fall, an A7-based Apple TV comes out that I can put apps on, I have a current gen Apple TV. I'll put it on Craigslist and I'll go buy a new one because it's not baked into my LG television. It's it's a separate thing that I can upgrade. This is what we talked about before when when everybody was uh, high and drunk talking about the Apple television set earlier this year. And the big thing everyone said, including us, was people don't upgrade their televisions all that often. That you buy a TV and you keep it for four or five or six years. You know, I bought an LG TV last year and it, it is not a smart TV. I actually bought the one specifically that didn't have any of that crap on it because I just want a TV that I can plug my own stuff into and I can control the whole stack. Uh, I just, I don't think embedded is the way to go. I, I don't think it's don't. the way to go, but I think it's necessary for it to be a success as well as having devices I mean, having it in TVs gives them a leg up. It at least so, helps uh, me- put it in people's homes. Let me understand this. So uh, this is the kind of TV that everybody's doing, right? Including Apple. So it's got a bunch of apps. 
and you can stream stuff and you can buy movies and um, um, do the Chromecast uh, thing that's basically like AirPlay. So this is the smart TV that everybody's doing now. Sony, Google, Microsoft and Apple, right? Yeah, they got games can too, I, like Amazon. Okay, can I watch the actual television on this? Like, can I turn this on and watch the news yeah. or the weather? Yeah. How? They're having it have the pass-through like the Xbox. Okay, but this is not an Xbox. Well, actually, no, if it's baked into the TVs, which is what they showed today, I believe, um, it's just it overlays over your TV UI. And I also, mm-hmm. I, but I, they did mention about HDMI input, so it, it would take over the UI of your television. Mm-hmm. And so it's, like how the Xbox to, does. Is it coming to Europe? They did not say that. Mm. Spoiler yeah. alert, it's not. Um, I don't know that, but probably not. I mean, yeah, I because, for me, because for me, uh, Mike, and um, the, the Xbox pass-through uh, technique is really the only way to uh, enjoy this kind of smart televisions because uh, my TV uh, consumption habits in, are basically made of the news, uh, the weather... And maybe the occasional movie that they ran on the Italian TV, and I would say the World Cup every four years and the European Cup every every other four years. So, um, and I guess that most people here um, they use this kind of regular television because if they if they want to to watch movies, they either uh, download the torrent because let's face it, that's how people watch movies, and or they. Uh, because we don't have Netflix, we don't have these fancy services that you Americans have or uh, English people have. And so unless I'm, I'm able to plug in my antenna into my television like a, like a caveman and then use the pass-through to overlay the interface and watch the normal TV, this is useless to me. So the fact that Google is trying to uh, do like Microsoft did with the X- Xbox One... I guess that's good news, but the fact that there's no um, uh, information about a release outside America, that's concerning. Yeah, as far as I'm aware, that that is part of the plan is to take over your TV interfaces as well as offer you all the other stuff. Okay. So this is something that I could, you know, I could go to my parents and say, if you want to upgrade your TV... You could get an Android TV because you can still watch the local news. You can yep. still watch the Italian uh, national TV, and you get this new interface. Yeah, and they have the nice but, UI uh, for the channel. Stephen has a point, but like Stephen has a point because the embedded solution. My parents just bought a um, what is it? A Panasonic uh, TV or something, and uh, and I guess that they're going to keep this TV for five or six or seven years or more until it breaks. And how can I convince them to get a new TV with, with Android TV on it? And that's also a problem for Apple, by the way. So I would rather see a dedicated, um, you know, hardware thing that you plug into the television and the, the display that you have and then convincing uh, non-techy people to use that instead of the regular TV interface than trying to convince someone like my dad to buy a new Sharp or a new Sony TV because it has Android on it. It's, it's so, t- television is such a complex problem. Um, I'm not sure anyone is going to solve it. And, and 
Google doesn't really bring much new to the table in that regard. All of these devices make watching content that you purchase from the company. So Apple with iTunes, Amazon with Amazon and Google with Google play. Like it's great if you have that content, like for me and like you guys, I have a, boatload of stuff that i've bought on itunes over the years and with the apple tv it's really seamless and i am solely in that like media ecosystem none of these things really solve the live tv experience and microsoft tried the xbox one and they've backed away from it um but it's these things are all kind of doing the same thing so you're not so much buying an apple tv you're buying into that ecosystem if you're like we talked about last week with the fire phone like if you're into the amazon ecosystem you buy the fire tv because it makes it really seamless and that's great but i really want one of these companies to look at live tv and try to fix it and try to change it and that's like when that happens call me and i'll be excited until then i'm going to keep playing with Mapple tv did you want to talk about gmail yeah Whew, i feel like we've been doing this a long time it's been hours so Google currently offers Gmail, of course, on the web, but access to your mailboxes over IMAP, which is an open standard that uh, uh, Fastmail, you know, Rackspace email, a lot of these guys use. So you, you, had, you had Pop email back in the past, which was fine until you had multiple devices. IMAP keeps all your messages synced up across your multiple devices in the server. Then you have Exchange, which is its own weird thing. Um, Google for a long time now has really been pushing the bounds of the IMAP standard. And so if you set up a Gmail account as like a regular IMAP account in mail, you end up with like these weird folder structures and there's things you can do to fine tune that and to tweak it to make it seem more like a normal IMAP account. But it seems like Google has kind of got fed up with that. And so today they enter now, they, 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 today they introduced uh, the Gmail API, and, and there'll be some links in the show notes about it. Uh, they have not said that the Gmail API is replacing IMAP at any point in the future. It's not hard to imagine that that will be the case. Um, you know, Google in 2013 killed or turned off CalDAV access, Google Calendar, and they have a calendar API now. Um, and the guys that like uh, who make like BusyCal and stuff, and even Apple with the iCal had to scramble to, to, to update uh, surely Apple will do that. Surely Apple will support this in the in the mail applications. Not because they want to, but because if mail doesn't work with Gmail, people get upset. Just look at the last six months of you know Mavericks having broken Gmail. And so it's it's interesting. Uh, Google has a history of doing custom APIs over open standards when it means that they can ha- they can control more of the experience. Uh, Google Hangouts, you know, Google Talk used to run on XMPP, and now Google Hangouts runs on a, you know, Google-built API. It's just another step in that direction of Google of moving away from open standards to something that really works for them and, and they think works for their customers. I'm not lighting myself on fire over this. Like, Apple's apps will update to support it. If it makes Gmail work better, then I'm all for it. Like, part of the, the conjecture of why... Google or why Gmail is so bad and, and mail.app is that that IMAP standard is wonky the way Gmail uses it and Apple didn't quite get their heads around it the right way. And so if, if they have like, hey, look, we have this API, it's everything you can do with it. Apple just roll it into mail uh, and it makes Gmail work better, then 
like, yeah, it kind of sucks they're moving away from an open standard, but it's a pill I can swallow if my Gmail works on my phone. Whew. I, I don't really have anything to say. I, okay, great. <laughs> Get me my email. Like, yeah. Sure, man, whatever. You're already looking at it for whatever you need to look at it for. I, I don't, oh, don't care how guy. it gets to me. No, but it doesn't bother me. You know it doesn't bother me. I, we've we've spoken about this before. Like it, people would say, now they're going to be calling it on the server side. Okay, sure, fine. You know, whatever. I would say that I'm upset, but I don't really care because I moved away from Gmail. Exactly. So. Uh, can I just round out Google I/O with a couple of thoughts about the presentation as a whole, and then we can call this yes, episode please. to a close. So this presentation, and Google I.O. in particular, but it was funny, especially watching it this year, this is much more developer-focused than Apple's presentations. Like, the words that they choose to use, the code that they choose to write on stage, um, it's much more focused at developers. For example, nobody explained what an SDK was at Google I.O. today. (laughs) Um, They they did in the the blog post, by the way. Maybe so, but okay, fine. But not on stage today. (laughs) Okay. Um, the presenters read a lot from the auto queue. Their present Google's presentations are still not as polished, except for the executives. So Sundar is fantastic on stage. Matthias is also very good, but Sundar is is really really good on stage. Um, the fact that that the Google bring in every single product manager available is not a good thing to do for for the cohesiveness of their presentations. There's too many people on stage. However, in saying that. The people that Google have on stage are much more diverse. They have people from different races and they have people with different genders. It's not all middle-aged white guys, which is what we see in Apple's presentations. And I just thought that that was a nice thing. That there, yes. was, that there were a couple of ladies on stage today, which is fantastic. And Google also made a real good point of saying that like 20% of their, in- their attendees were women. And I like that they were bringing that up today. But more than anything, the people that Google choose to bring on stage are more diverse than, than the people that Apple bring on stage. I'm just pointing it out. I just think it's an interesting point. But I can't close it out today without talking about the protesters, right? Yeah. What was that about? Is it the... Uh, I didn't. I, I saw tweets fly by, but today was crazy. There was were, it the Google bus people? Were they crazy? There were two different protesters that occurred during this presentation. So the first one was protesting about affordable housing in San Francisco. As you do. And she was like, for a good five minutes, they could not get rid of this woman. Just don't screaming. Don't tase me, bro. All you could hear, though, was just <laughs> noise. You couldn't really hear what it was, but the presenter did a great job of just ignoring it. Carried on, which is really difficult to do because everyone's looking around and stuff. And then there was this other protester guy who, who jumps up much later, and he's talking about how Google, and you could hear him clearly, Google have robots that kill people. And why it's are true. Google making robots that kill people? And you're he does have working. a point. Yeah, and you're all working for a company that, that makes robots that kill people. Um, and that presenter had to, like, stop. He, like, couldn't continue. Which, <laughs> I mean, uh, uh, the, the other guy, the first guy, is much quieter, but, like, it's pronounced. Like, the guy's, like, screaming, you have robots that kill people. And it's like, okay, buddy. Uh, it's just really weird that this happened to them. Like, I don't mm. know what Google are doing that mean that protesters can get in. It seems like a very strange thing to occur because you have to pay for tickets, I believe, to Google I.O. So I don't know if these protesters are paying for tickets or people just got bored of the presentation and decided to protest. I don't really get it, but it was... It was uh, well, it was three hours long. I mean, anyone would protest under those conditions. Hmm. 
I don't really have anything to say to that. I'm the three hours comment doesn't doesn't bother me. They have everything to say. They want to say they get all out, like lots of stuff. It is like you know, I saw a lot of people saying today. It's basically like condensing the keynote in the State of the Union, which yeah, so how Google just did it. So. Mm. Any more comments before we wrap this yes. one up, guys? Yes, Federico. <laughs> I do have. <laughs> what comments. are your closing remarks? Um. Uh, okay, I found um, the material design to be nice, elegant, and clean. Uh, but I'm wondering whether two things: whether developers uh, will overdo animations, and perhaps more concerning, whether um, manufacturers of phones and tablets or other Android devices will add their um, you know their ugly software and modifications to to the new to this new design language. I also found Android One to be to be perhaps the most exciting uh, announcement of the keynote and the most intelligent, uh, which we didn't mention. But it, it's an initiative to bring um, basically low-cost Android smartphones with good feature set from a hardware standpoint. To developing, to developing countries and Google is starting with India and they showed um, uh, an Android smartphone with a pretty good um, hardware feature set which will be sold for um, bill under $100 and I think that Android One is a clever initiative and if they manage to, to really pull this off and to respect a technical standard and to get uh, partners on board, uh, getting all the other billions of people that are now using smartphones into into the Android platform is really smart. But overall, I found Google to be uninspired, uh, boring, and in a way reactionary to to what we saw at WWDC a couple a few weeks ago. And 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 it and it seems to me and it seemed to me that they're trying to just check in items off a list whether it's the smartwatch that's focused on notifications and voice dictation, or whether it's putting Android apps on a, on a computer, the television stuff, I found that to be really lacking imagination and to lack inspiration and a bigger vision. And the other announcements, like uh, the Gmail stuff, the app redesigns, they make sense, uh, they look nice, but overall I'm not too excited about uh, about Google I.O. So I had some points that I will make, but I have a point about what you said. The reactionary thing is a hard pill for me to swallow. It's not like Google saw WWDC two and a half weeks ago, or three weeks ago, and said, oh my God, we got to do all this stuff. Like, there are things moving in these companies in parallel just because that's the way things work, right? Like Apple wasn't the only company that was making early personal computers. Lots of other countries or companies were doing that too because that's what people were doing at the time. So I think it's a little unfair to say that it's reactionary. I do feel like, and you, you really said it better than I had thought it, thought about it, is that they are? it does feel like Google's trying just to fill out a checklist. Like they have all these things... That I mean, Android is now on TVs. You can use it in your car. They have a CarPlay alternative now. Uh, you can use it on your tablet. It talks to your watch. It, it's you know baked inside your television set. And it's it's really 
really broad. And clearly, the end game is the ecosystem game that I have Android slash Google everywhere, and it all knows about all of this cool stuff, and they everything talks to each other and is happy. And that's a great end game. I think all these companies, you know, Google, Microsoft, Apple, and Amazon are all racing towards that. But I feel like Google is doing it in a very sort of shotgun approach where, you know, I will stand up and say, like, Apple is slow to do things. Like, continuity and handoff, it's ridiculous it's taken this long. But I think it's probably going to work well, and it's a thing that makes sense. Well, most well, of Google, you, you could well, Google, them- Google announced, I mean, The Verge had an article that said the 17 most important things Google announced today. Like, there's so much stuff, and so much, so much of it is going to die off, because that's how Google things work. Like, I have a product, oh, it doesn't go very well, it just quietly goes away in a couple years. Like, I just... It's a scattershot approach that I find lacks the precision and lacks the vision that a company like Apple or even Microsoft and Amazon use in their products. You could argue that most features that Apple does all, uh, always always take too long. But it's also, uh, like you can make this argument about extensions, for instance, or third-party keyboards, except that the way that they're built on iOS using XPC and, and the security model in place, that takes years to, to, to make sure that, that, that it can run efficiently on a system, that it doesn't consume battery life, that it's got permissions in place. So of course it takes longer. You cannot make this argument for Notification Center, for instance, which I, I myself say that it, that it was basically copied from Android. But, uh, but my reactionary comment was actually more about, you know, Google Fit, for instance or trying to, like, the announcement for the, for the gaming APIs, it, it felt forced, and by the way, the demo didn't run well, but, but the announcement was basically, it, it didn't have the same scale of, of metal, but it seemed forced, because it was basically a bunch of um, Android extensions for, for gaming engines, and, and, and it just felt like Google needed to announce that, because it, they didn't want to be one-upped by Apple. And the Google Fit rumor, it came out 10 days ago. And so after WWDC, and, and they didn't show um, a, a unifying uh, application, right? A Google Fit app for Android with a dashboard. They just say that basically developers are going to be able to access each other's data. Mm-hmm. And, and, and all this stuff, it seems to me like it's, it's some sort of response to Apple. It's just some of these features. And, but but overall, yes, like I said, it seems like they're checking out items off a list. And like you said, most most of these announcements are probably not going to make it to a public release. Or if they're going to make it to a public release, they're going to be forgotten like the Nexus Q. Oh, oh man. that whew, In the show, on a sad note, that thing was tragic. Um, so, yeah. yeah, the Apple podcast on 5x5 talked about Google for an hour and a half. I mean, it's it's interesting to look at, at Google. There's obviously so many parallels between Apple and Google, but they operate so differently, and the way they go about achieving their vision is so different. Uh, it's very interesting to all three of us. And even though we all use Google at different levels, um, you know, I don't necessarily use Gmail. It's because I really don't like the way it works. But I have a nest hanging on my wall. I'm not afraid that Google is watching me sleep. Like. We we fall, as we often do on this show, at different points on the spectrum, but it's all of us I think are in agreement that, that what's going on in 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 the Google world is, is really interesting and, and affects the Apple world. So I think it's I think it's time well spent. 
but I'm not I'm not going to watch the keynote tonight. It's way too long. Thanks for your closing comments, guys. Do you have any closing comments, Mike? If you'd like to get the show notes for this week's episode, you can go to 5x5.tv slash prompt slash 54. I am at imike, I-M-Y-K-E. Federico is at Vitici, V-I-T-I-C-C-I, and he writes over at maxstories.net. And Stephen is at ISMH, and he writes over at 512pixels.net. The show has a Twitter account, all of its very own, which is underscore the prompt. And if you want to get in contact with us via email, you can hit the contact button on our show notes page. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the World's Greatest Podcast. We'll be back next week with episode number 55. Until then, bye-bye. Arrivederci. Adios.